We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good morning, Chicago. It's Saturday again. Welcome inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score and your Odyssey app. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score studio until 11.30 today, talking baseball for a bonus 30 extra minutes this Saturday morning, leading up to an NFL triple header. All the games right here on The Score. We are grateful this morning that the White Sox finally have gifted themselves a free agent impact player. Bruce, good morning. How about that? Yeah, that's uh, that's really great uh, that uh, that finally happened, David. Uh, I know a lot of White Sox fans had been worried about the fact that they were going to do nothing, and uh, here we're sitting on December 17th of 2022, and there's oh, I would say at least uh, two months till spring training, David, so uh, plenty of time left, and Plenty of time left to even continue to add for both the Cubs and the White Sox. So a, a good deal for the White Sox. We were led to believe that it would be through trade rather than through free agency. But uh, somehow, somewhere, the White Sox uh, dug deep down and gave Benintendi the largest deal in Chicago White Sox history for $75 million. Andrew Benintendi, left-handed hitting outfielder, corner outfielder, fits right into the White Sox lineup. We will talk about that throughout the show. We have an extra 30 minutes, as I alluded to. We're building a bridge up to an NFL triple header. Colton Vikings right here on the score at 11.30. Before that, we have great guest Pat Hughes, the Hall of Fame broadcaster, will join us at 10.30. Before that, Marco Patti, the Sox's international scout of the year, will join us at 10 o'clock. And plenty of your baseball thoughts and conversation before that. 312-644-6767. Bruce, let's start right with the big news of the day. Andrew Benintendi, free agent outfielder. A little bit by surprise, um, I think this, this news catches White Sox fans. There was so much cynicism building up about the inactivity by Rick Kahn. And let's face it, the last we heard from Rick Kahn, he was saying he wasn't going to throw money at the problem. Bruce, when you sign a free agent to your richest deal ever. You are, in fact, throwing money at the problem, but that's a good thing. 
You know, richest deal uh, ever is, uh, that can be debated, okay? It's the richest deal in White Sox history, but $75 million right now, uh, commitment? <laughs> Jeez, that's, uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, they would sign David Haw as a utility man and, and give him <laughs> $40 million for two years. That's not even two years of Verlander. No, exactly. So when, when you look at the, the deal, it's it's a big deal and it's a good commitment. But uh, I just look at it as a, uh, a strategically sound move for the Chicago White Sox. And by that, I mean uh, you're signing yourself a, an outstanding defensive outfielder. Uh, he has a, a good arm, not a great arm, an accurate arm. He has great range, and he can play all three outfield positions, but he'll play left field for you. And he was an all-star in 2022, a gold glove winner in 2021, and a part of a world championship team in 2018. At 28, for five years, it's a good deal. On top of that, David, uh, you, you most likely have your, your leadoff hitter uh, and a guy that has a 351 uh, lifetime on base percentage in, mm. in Ben Attendi. Really? You think that he's going to lead off instead of Tim Anderson when all things I would can... say so. I, I would ah, say what about that in second, right? No, not for me. I mean, uh, I, I like his on base percentage. You, you compare his on base percentage to Anderson. You have Anderson batting second. OK, you have Ben Attendee on base. You have Anderson on second base on, on batting second in the lineup. What is he going to see mostly to keep uh, the guy at first? Now, he doesn't steal a lot of bases, but he's a very good base runner. So from that perspective, I think that Anderson's your perfect number two hitter. And more importantly, you have guys on base, number one, number two, that can run. Okay. Ben Attendee's not a speedster, but a good base runner. I, I like that thinking, Bruce. I think it's a fun debate to have because you now have two guys at the top of the lineup that are worthy of consideration of that role. And you are making a, a strong point. Ben Intendi coming off a career high on base percentage of 373. If he can duplicate that, he does have the plate discipline historically. And this is a guy that's going to uh, make a pitcher grind early on uh, at the top of the order. So that's that that's a good that's a good debate and a fun one to have. I want to ask you this. I mean, there's a lot to like about the player, and certainly if you're a Sox fan, you're encouraged by this investment because you might have been surprised. What role, even though it was just for a short period of time that Benintendi spent with the Royals, but what role do you think his relationship or Pedro Grifol's understanding of what kind of guy this might be in the clubhouse as well, the little things that we always you know, value in free agency, we look at the bottom line, but what role did Grifol's relationship or past do you think played in this signing? I think, David, it's a great question, and it's and it's it's important to to point out that you know Grafal had the time with him and could recommend yes, thumb up or thumb down uh, as to how he would fit in. Uh, from all the, the scouting reports I have of people that know him uh, over the last couple of days, you know, uh, checking in and with people that know him with the Yankees and with Kansas City that I know, terrific teammate. Uh, Terrific individual, uh, a guy that uh, comes to play every day, a hard worker. Um, you know, at age 28, out of Cincinnati, Ohio, originally, uh, the guy should be a very good player for the Chicago White Sox. I think, I think the, the vastly underrated part of this deal will be the defense that he brings to the Chicago White Sox outfield. We're going to have um, 
we're going we're gonna to have Marco Patti, the uh, scouting director, international scouting director for the Chicago White Sox on later, and he'll talk about uh, Oscar Colas, who will probably be ticketed in at right in right field, another left-handed hitter. So what you're doing is you are automatically making your team a much better defense by having Jimenez as the DH, by having Benatendi in left field. You have Robert, who's a gold glove caliber center fielder, and you have Colas, who's considered a good outfielder with a good arm uh, in right field. So automatically that and Vaughn at first base and your improvement is uh, dramatic already without even figuring out what second base is going to be like going into the You're season. You're so right, Bruce. You're not having to welcome Andrew Benintendi into the clubhouse in Chicago and say, okay, here's the outfielder's glove you're going to wear five days a week because give us your first baseman's glove. You're not converting anybody. This is a gold glove winning outfielder who joins Luis Robert out there, and you can make the argument. Oscar Colas, he hasn't played an inning of Major League Baseball yet, but considered uh, not a defensive liability. I think that's as far as we might, may want to go, but the highlights look good, and he is athletic, so that already is an upgrade, and you put Andrew Vaughn at first base, and that is, uh, you know, you feel good about his defense there. The Sox needed to improve that aspect of their ball club, and I think that now, you know, you don't like to see Jose Abreu leave, but Andrew Vaughn's a capable replacement, and now with Benintendi, they are addressing the defensive deficiencies that, that really limited them and affected so many games last year. When the Red Sox won the World Series in 2018, they bragged and everybody marveled during the playoffs about the Red Sox having three quality center fielders that were actually playing different positions, okay? So, and, and Ben Attendee was one of those. So when, when you look at this and you look at uh, the, the quality that he brings, we're not saying that he is uh, necessarily going to be a, a guy that carries the team, but he's a, he's, a, he's a piece that really fits into a team that needed a defender, that needs a top-of-the-order guy to get on base, that needs a guy that makes contact, that doesn't strike out all the time, that, ta- that takes some pitches. He doesn't walk a heck of a lot, but he sees enough pitches. He doesn't strike out very much. So with, with all that in mind, for $15 million, okay, the Chicago White Sox have their center, their outfielder, and, and they have their outfield set with uh, Colas going to go to right field. Does that mean they won't add uh, another outfielder? Well, you know, they still have uh, backups in their system, and they still have the ability to have other people out there. They have, you know, two or three players on the roster that can play the outfield. But from the way I look at it, everything is strengthened on the Chicago White Sox by this move. 312-644-6767. We'd like White Sox fans, Cub fans, to join us throughout the show. That's what we do here on Inside the Clubhouse. We'll get into a little more depth of what else the Sox can be up to maybe this offseason in the next segment, Bruce, but we need to cover the other side of town because a lot of drama and a lot of suspense surrounding what the Cubs are going to do next and will they get Dansby Swanson. So much has been riding on one of the four big shortstops going to the Cubs. There's only one left, and he is maybe still on his honeymoon, maybe returning. We don't know. Uh, but I think Dansby Swanson, uh, fresh off his marriage to uh, Mallory Pugh, the professional soccer player from the Red Stars as well, I don't know what role that would play, if any. But the bottom line is the Cubs and Cubs fans, I think, more, 
more uh, significantly to us, are waiting to find out what is next with Dansby Swanson because, Bruce, I don't know if you agree, but I framed it this week on the Mullenhaw show, and I, I, it's worth debating. I will feel like this offseason, if you'll feel like a failure or a failed, failed um, just if you don't get one of the four shortstops, it's going to be very deflating because of the way expectations were heading into this offseason. You know, I don't look at it that way, David. I mean, I, I appreciate the idea that they were all good players, but I think they were, they were all very different. And, and just to get one to say that you had one, I'm not so sure that the Cubs want to do that. Now, is he a good player? Is he going to make the Cubs a better team? Yes. Okay. Is he an impact player that's going to change uh, what the what, what the Chicago Cubs do in 2022 without 23 rather David without some other moves uh, and and the the good luck of Bellinger recapturing who he is in center field and some of the other play, players uh, continuing to move up the ladder as far as young players getting better um, not, not necessarily so I, I don't think he's an impact player all by himself I think what he is he's a really nice shortstop, a number six hitter in a good lineup, uh, a guy that uh, you can count on every day to show up and play. That's really important. Uh, and I think it's he's a good player on a really good team. On an average team, I don't know how much impact he has. I understand and respect that. I don't think offensively he's going to be the kind of guy that you look at and and is maybe – uh, that that type of player defensively he makes you more sound and certainly if you are a team like the Cubs that could lean into your pitching and your defense you want a guy like Dansby Swanson at shortstop Nico Horner at second base you're strong up the middle with with Cody Bellinger in center fielder and whatever you end up doing at catcher but I just feel like Bruce from an organizational standpoint and maybe this is again my own personal bias and I'm looking reading too much into this but when you are the Chicago Cubs and you declare yourself as as a team that's going to be aggressive in the offseason and you're going to be in the shortstop market something that nobody resisted an idea that everybody embraced I think it's going to be disappointing if you don't close it out I think it's going to be it's going to feel like you go into the ninth inning and you bring in your closer and you can't get the job done and that to me is why I would feel disappointed and I think Cub fans would have every right to feel that way a little sense of deflation but let's wait and see this is not complete yet they have done other things I think at this point based on what the Sox did on Friday and signing Andrew Benintendi at this point this morning Bruce as we sit here and talk baseball on inside the clubhouse the White Sox can can claim in town that they've had a better offseason they've had a they've had a more impactful um, offseason than, than the Cubs, and I don't know that anybody thought we would be here a couple days ago. Well, you know, I look at the date again, David, December 15th, right? Uh, you know, are, are you going to get upset about the fact that, uh, you know, are they playing ball tomorrow? I know. I, 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 don't, I know. I, I know. I mean, I, I, I'm like you, though, and, and I appreciate the fact that you're such a strong baseball fan that you want it now, okay? I, I appreciate that fact. I, I just think that, you know, two days ago, the White Sox offseason was considered a failure. At this point, you know, you add Clevenger to your rotation. You add Ben Attendee, who changes the defense and the structure of the top of the order around in one fell swoop. 
for $15 million a year, it dramatically changes. Tomorrow uh, or late today, we might be talking about uh, Swanson as a shortstop for the Cubs, and they're not done yet. You know, I mean, both teams are in great need of catching help, okay? They are in unbelievable. I mean, look, uh, Grandal, I'll give him a slide for being injured the last couple of years. Uh, I understand he played hurt and it wasn't the real Yasmani Grandal, but he's in the last year of a contract. Same thing, you have Gomes, who's, who's going to catch 75 or 80 games tops. You don't want him to catch more than that at age 36. Uh, last year of a contract. Where, where are these teams going catching-wise? Uh, you can make an argument, David. Catching is the most important position outside of maybe shortstop uh, on the entire team. I mean, you have to have, in this day and age, a catcher who understands everything, who can handle a pitching staff. See, who, you, you know, uh, you're right. You're right. It, you've just identified, though, why I'm, I'm kind of uh, triggered by this idea of not getting Swanson because I'm still mad about the Wilson Contreras thing. Catching does matter, and neither team has really addressed that yet. Do you expect that to change, you know, before the holidays? Yeah, I think it ha- I don't know about holidays, but you're running out of inventory is what I'm concerned with, okay? Right. What do you have right. out there free agent-wise? And who is really interested in trading you a catcher now uh, after Murphy was traded from uh, Oakland? Is Toronto going to trade one of their young catchers is that, is that the deal that people are looking at right now? Are the White Sox and Cubs concentrating on one of those deals? So I, I'm, I have more angst about catching, you know, and injury. Okay, one injury to Gomes, one injury to Grandal. And who's catching for your Chicago teams? Bruce, I want to get a quick thought from you before we get out to the phone lines on, on two things. Number one, the signing of Brad Boxberger to the Cubs bullpen a veteran who's well-traveled but also have been dependable. You don't know what you're getting from year to year in a bullpen because of the variance, but what did you think of that signing? And secondly, Carlos Rodon goes to the Yankees and gets $162 million, a guy the White Sox did not want to gamble that might take his $18.4 million qualifying offer. Now he has turned a gamble on himself into seven years of security that will have brought him $180 million after that decision was made. What do you think of those two things? In hindsight, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a lousy look. But uh, on, on top of that, I think Carlos, I think that deal is right for Carlos, okay? And it's right for the Yankees because a six-year deal now pales in comparison almost to anything else that's going out there with 10, 11, 13-year deals for guys. And with Rodon, who had injury problems up and up and through this year, uh, you know, I think it's a, a great deal. Congratulations to him. I'm happy for him and his family. Uh, six years, 162, perfect for the New York Yankees and their inventory. You know, would the White Sox and Cubs like to have signed them? Probably not to six-year deals, but uh, I think it's I think it's a, a great deal for Rodon. I, re- I really do. Uh, I, I think the Yankees have put themselves in a position right now of uh, stepping right up with the New York Mets to uh, have one of the, the very best rotations in baseball. When you put it all together, Rodon goes right up there with Cole and uh, the rest of those good young pitchers that the Yankees have uh, with a, a power arm rotation, probably the best power arm rotation in baseball right now. And Boxberger for the Cubs? Boxberger, you know, a, a great veteran sign. 
you know, not a ton of money, but a guy that can go out there and pitch mid to late uh, innings, you know, going up to your closer. And um, a very flippable guy, as the Cubs have been prone to do in uh, July, when if and when uh, the, White Sox, the Cubs decide whether or not they're in a pennant race with Milwaukee and St. Louis. Score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That's where we find Mike and Glencoe. Mike, welcome back inside the clubhouse. Hey, good morning, fellas. And uh, Bruce, I'm really interested in your thoughts on uh, two related concepts. One, what is the long-term feasibility on baseball's economic structure of what we've seen over the last three weeks, especially on middle market teams like the White Sox? And with these $300 million contracts for shortstops, does it force the White Sox to reconsider the fu- their future with Tim Anderson? Uh, because they'll never, ever sign him again. What's your thought? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, David, uh, I think what Mike's asking is, you know, where is the money coming from and how sustainable is it? And does it drive the White Sox to uh, being a, a team that, can continue to uh, sustain in being a big market, middle market team that they are as far as the economics go. But uh, my my perspective is uh, Disney gave uh, Major League Baseball, I think, a billion and a, and a half uh, dollars uh, this year. So th- there there's plenty of uh, of new free spending money out there for the Major League owners. They're back to where they were. Uh, in, 2020 before the pandemic and uh, everything went to hell over the the, the, the next two years as far as uh, uh, being able to monetize their their franchises. So from that perspective, David, baseball is as healthy as it's ever been as far as the economics go. It's gone from $11 billion industry. According to Scott Boros, it, it could be up to a 13 or 14 billion industry now. So it, it's all it's all good there. As, as far and, as I'm concerned. And I think it comes down to each individual team and each individual owner. How willing is that owner to write a contract that is in the, the nine-figure range? And the White Sox have yet to do that. So I think the question almost answers itself. If Tim Anderson is on the open market the next time and the shortstop market has gone crazy as it continues to go, I don't know that you can count on the White Sox to dig deep and, and pay him that kind of money and that size of a contract just because, you know what, they never have. They well, never have. One, you're, you're right, David. Let me make one point here that I, I do once or twice a year. Each team can write off every contract at the end of the year when they do their taxes. 40% of every contract can be uh, gotten back through taxes because – Baseball players' contracts are—they are depreciating assets, okay? And and it's and it's interesting to note, you know, take away the 40 percent. Yeah, they still have to pay it out, but at the end of the year, when they're doing their taxes and they're getting the write-offs, 40 percent of every contract is written off. And that's something that you have to really look at to understand uh, where the money comes from and how teams are able to afford this. The money is made for the Chicago White Sox. Not every year, okay? The money is made that they've gone from a team that was bought for $19 million in, two th- in 1981 
to a team that's going to be worth close to $2 billion probably by the end of the year. And that's where the money is at for the investors and the owners. Bruce, don't sell yourself short. That was at least your fourth good point of 2022, and there's still two weeks <laughs> to go. <laughs> Maybe maybe we have a few good points left until eleven thirty. We do, and, and we yeah, have callers. More minutes. We, we have callers three one two six four four six seven six seven. The phone lines are open to you always and inside the clubhouse. Where should Andrew Benintendi bat in the order? Who's going to be pitching in that Sox rotation? Let us know what you think. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio six seven to the score. Look, uh, if we find the right deal. For a player that we think is impactful, we're going to want to pull the trigger on it when it's available to us, not wait around, sort of maybe take that bird in the hand versus the two in the bush the way you laid it out. Uh, that said, strikes me for the reason that you originally alluded to, that more teams being in it and the added playoff spots, that a lot of these decisions may come down to the, to the deadline so the teams know exactly where they sit. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Haw, Bruce Levine. That was Rick Hahn before the hot stove league started heating up and now it's sizzling. The White Sox signing Andrew Benintendi to a Five-year, $75 million contract, presumably to play left field. Aloy Jimenez will be your DH Sox fans, as he should be. Bruce, I want to ask you this. Does this mean that it is more or less likely that the White Sox will be trading Liam Hendricks, or is that an unrelated matter that not connected at all to the Benintendi signing? That's a great question. I think it's the latter. Uh, I think that at this point in time, the White Sox have found the money to go out and sign somebody to a $15 million contract times five. And they also see their way and talk their way through their payroll over the next five years. Okay, so you, you have a lot of money coming off of the books after this year. You have uh, contracts to Hendricks possibly coming off the books. You have a contract to Lance Lynn coming off of the books. Uh, so, you know, right there, you, you found money. So when people like Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams go to Jerry Reinsdorf and they sit down and they talk and they talk often, they say, well, okay, well, Jerry, here's how our budget's going to work. You know, this year we're going to go a little over if you allow it. But then after that, uh, we have these n numbers coming off of the books. We think we have a couple of young players here that are going to fill the bill, and we're not going to have to pay them for another three or four years. So we'll be able to stay within the budget range of what you want to do over the next three, four, and five years and still sign this player. And I think that's how it goes down and did go down with this. I think Hendricks does not have to be traded at this point. Now, if you want to uh, gamble out there and you want to make a big deal with the Dodgers and bring in uh, a guy like uh, Gavin Lux in a big trade for uh, with with the, the Dodgers for Hendricks, you know I, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. But you know Hendricks is uh, you know pr considered what one, two, or three best closer in baseball right now. Yeah, but, so if you want to win the World yeah. Series, you'd probably like to hold on to him. 
I would think this, and, and try to state it succinctly, these Andrew Benintendi signings surprised me to the extent that I believe now you should keep Liam Hendricks. And I don't think I felt that before the signing. I didn't think they were going to do this, Bruce. And I don't know that I was naive or in the dark or whatever the case may be, but the White Sox surprised me by adding to their lineup and answering one of the biggest questions in left field without having to trade for that player. I was led all led to believe all along. And I think Rick Hahn probably – I don't know if he duped everybody, but he certainly shocked, I think, the baseball world by going out and signing a player to, everything's relative, but the richest free agent contract that they have ever given out. Now, in that context, we look at Liam Hendricks. I look at Liam Hendricks a little bit differently. Benintendi completes your lineup. He makes you stronger defensively. He certainly changes the top of your order, as you suggest, which I think is an interesting idea. And he also makes you more of a contender, legitimate, kind of, I don't want to say front runner, due respect to the Guardians, but in that division, you can win this division, and you feel better about winning that division with one of the top three closers in baseball. So at this point in time, because of signing Benintendi, I am attaching that to the Liam Hendricks thing, and I think I'd be more inclined to want to keep him now unless you're just knocked off your feet with a deal you can't refuse. I wouldn't go looking for one, though. I look at the Benintendi deal – as similar but not the same as the deal that sent um, Carlos Lee to the Milwaukee Brewers for Scott Pedsednik uh, in uh, December of 2004. And, that, and, and I'm saying that because Pedsednik was a, a different player at that time coming in who had a lot of speed and was going to impact the top of your lineup that way. Wasn't considered a great defender uh, you know, wasn't a great batting average guy, but he, he he dramatically changed his game and dramatically changed the top of the order and the way the White Sox started 2005 by uh, jumping out to a 10-game lead by the All-Star game. Uh, that that was a dramatic change, and I think Benintendi can be that type of player for this team. So, going along with your thinking about Hendricks, I was told by a, a very good authority. Uh, with the organization, White Sox organization, that they do not have to dump money to be able to do this deal. That is very reassuring to White Sox Nation. It's reassuring to Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. So from that perspective, I, I, uh, I'm excited for White Sox, uh, for the White Sox team, and uh, to be able to watch this team, even as it is right now, without with still two months left of the season, I'm I'm thinking this is a much better team than going into this season than it was last year. I agree with you, Bruce, right now, and I love the historical link to Scotty Pitsednik in 2005 and Andrew Benintendi, Benintendi this season, offseason, because they have similar traits, but uh, let's wait and see. But that is a fun link to make. Let's go back out to the score listener line, powered by BetQL, where our buddy Ron is joining inside the clubhouse. Morning, Ron. How are you doing? I'm doing <laughs> – a lot better. Uh, <laughs> good, good, good. Actually, a very, very good pickup. And you guys, I told you all, and I stated the obvious, that they were not going to be able to meet all their needs through trade. That they were going to have to sign a free agent. And they and they, they, they signed a real good player. Now, real quickly, uh, it's interesting how just one player 
and you mentioned it, Bruce, it's a, a better-looking team, how one player just changes the look of the team. Uh, he's, he's run a gold club before, but more importantly, you can bat him second uh, because he's a high-contact guy, and he gets on base, so he's going to hit in front of typically probably your best hitter. Um, your number three, and, and lastly, uh, I was uh, on whole. I was thinking the same thing. That now you don't have. Because when they were saying they were gonna have to trade to get maybe a good outfielder, we did think about Liam Hendricks. You don't have to trade him to get a second base, which is still the need of the White Sox. I'm not satisfied with uh, uh, the options in the house, but uh, right now it's, it's, it's just a better looking team, and particularly as you said, Bruce. Defense. People didn't realize the left field last year for the White Sox defense. I was looking at some numbers. Was very bad. So you improve automatically. So just just a very very good sign for the White Sox. I'm getting excited. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ron, Bruce. I would go Benintendi. T A. No, I would go T A. Benintendi. Luis Robert, Aloy, Vaughn, Moncada. Grandal, Coles, and whoever you get to play second base. Sounds like a good lineup. One that can compete and win that division again. I Look, um, the one thing we didn't mention here about Benatendi is it adds that left-handed bat. Okay, so it, it adds that tremendous balance to the lineup that they need. You still have Mankata from the left side, a switch hitter. You still have uh, Grandal from the left side, a switch hitter. It's fine. You have sheets off the bench. That's fine. Um, that that added balance. Now, I was looking for a power bat from the left side, but this is a different type of answer, David. This is a, a an answer that, that is more all-encompassing when you add the defense, when you add the base running, when you add the, 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 the type of player that he is to go along with the left-handed bat. Uh, that is better than I had imagined what they would bring in, okay? Uh, you know, you, you know, Brantley is still out there as a free agent. Do they still bring him in? Not likely, considering that your DH role is going to be tied up most of the time by Eloy, and that Brantley at this stage of his career is more going to be a DH for somebody than he is going to be an outfielder. Uh, but you, you, know, you never know. You never know what's going to happen next. I think trades are still possibility for the Chicago White Sox they have to fortify their pitching just a little bit more you know you, you have uh, you have a situation where you know Clevenger steps up and and is a nice uh, nice you know answer in case Michael Kopeck is going to do something different on this team is Kopeck somebody that would go back into the bullpen would he be eventually the closer on this team uh, I've been making a case for that for about six years right now. Uh, that's a possibility, depending on how he comes back from his surgery on his knee. Two quick things, Bruce. Number one, do you think the White Sox, if we aren't expecting them maybe to be as aggressive trying to trade Liam Hendricks now, will they take offers for Joe Kelly and or Kendall Graveman? And second to that, related to the pitching staff, how did you feel about the announcement that Lance Lynn will pitch for uh, Team USA in the World Baseball Classic, which with his intensity, you know how he will approach it. Those are going to be some heavy innings in March for a guy that you want to ramp up gradually. What did you feel about that? You know, I'm happy for Lance, and when you can represent your country uh, like he can and the others that are going to be on 
you, you never say he shouldn't do it. However, I'm saying he shouldn't do it uh, because his first loyalty is to the Chicago White Sox and his teammates and the fact that he was um, injured uh, the last two years, you know, and that uh, he was fresh and he was dominant the second half of 2022. I think the White Sox probably feel good about that with him going into a new spring training and being away from the team as long as you, uh, Team USA is uh, in the tournament. But um, I don't like it at his age, you know, going to a tournament. I think the concentration should be on the season. And as for the trade for the bullpen guys, the uh, do you think Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman was no. somebody that Sox I, I don't are think going Ke- to get I don't, calls about? I don't think Kelly has any uh, value right now coming off of an injured season last year. And uh, Graveman, to me, was uh, still, even not his best season, but he was the warrior who went out there almost every day and, and helped keep that, uh, keep that team competitive. I, I I'm a huge fan of Kendall Graveman, and I, I wouldn't even consider trading him. Uh, he's also your backup closer on that team. And let's face it, he's also a friend of the show, a great interview, and a guy that talks uh, baseball with the best of them. I think that you, you have to consider our needs here, Bruce. I mean, come on, let's not, uh, let's not be too be, unselfish here. I would be lying if I did not agree with you. all right so what are the cubs going to do with dansby swanson how much do they have riding on his uh saying yes or no how much will that make or break their off season we will get into cubs business next it's inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score we're back with more inside the clubhouse with bruce levine and david haw on sports radio 670 the score and 670 the score.com presented by bet rivers sportsbook Shifting gears, talking Cubs. Now, before we move on, we have Marco Patti at the top of the hour, Pat Hughes at 10.30, and we have an extra 30 minutes building a bridge to an NFL triple header right here on the score all day. David Haw, Bruce Levine inside the clubhouse. Bruce, Cubs, Dansby Swanson still out there. One of the four shortstops that I feel like they said they wanted to get, so they need to get is – the Cubs getting Swanson or not getting Swanson going to be a source of ongoing tension in the Cubs front office, as was reported by the athletic. I think it, the way it was worded was there were growing tensions created by Crane Kenny coming on this radio station on a week ago, Friday and saying that Jed Hoyer had the money to spend. And that was interpreted many different ways. What is your thought on the level of, tension in the Cubs front office created by the inability to land a shortstop yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how that tension part works. Um, maybe because uh, people think that Crane is the president of biz, business operations and that uh, uh, all the baseball talk should come from uh, Jed, which, you know, usually happens. But, uh, you know, I, I like the idea that uh, that Crane and the front office uh, is are taking an interest in the fact that, hey, uh, we want Jed to sign the best players out there as well. We're letting you know that. We're letting you know he has money. And we're also letting you know that it's Jed's decision. Okay? So I think that is an interesting aspect that we haven't jumped into. The fact that this is Jed's decision, even though... It's being pushed, the, the idea behind it is being pushed by the president 
of business operations and his comments on the score. Uh, whether you consider that people disagreeing or there's tension there, I think tension is a good thing, David, uh, in a front office. That means that everybody cares. Everybody wants the product to be better. Everybody wants uh, the best team on the field for those fans. Uh, they want it for the score broadcasting the games. They want it for marquee broadcasting the games. Uh, they want the very best players available out there. And, and at the same time, it shows the strength that um, they uh, that Mr. Ricketts allows uh, Jed Hoyer to have by making those decisions of how that money is spent. I think Craig Kenny is a polarizing figure in Chicago baseball. And certainly when you judge his professional uh, performance and in, in his public, uh, you know, appearances and what he says, they his words get parsed. And I think a lot of people interpret them in a way that they bring a lot of the past into what he says in the present. What he said on that Friday morning, and I asked him the question so I understand the context, essentially was the tone of the conversation was surrounding Carlos Correa and the $300 million-plus contract that he ended up signing with the Giants. And would the Cubs be players, and do they have the resources available to get in that conversation? The answer was unequivocal. It was yes, a resounding mm -hmm. yes. In this town, in any sports town, Bruce, what do fans want to hear most from the people who are in charge of the budget? That it won't be an impediment for your executives to go out and build the best team possible. That's what he said. Now, if that places an undue amount of pressure on Jed Hoyer, then Jed Hoyer, if he responded poorly to that, he needs to understand the realities of his position. I think he does. I think he does. I don't understand how that puts an unfair or undue amount of pressure on the Cubs president who himself has said he planned to be bold this offseason. They wanted to be intelligent spending, but it would be aggressive. I don't understand where the tension would be because what Craig Kenny said was, hey, the bank is open. Jed, Jed can spend what he needs to spend to make this team better. Don't you want to hear that? And how would be, how, what would be the reaction if Crane would have gone the other way and said, you know, I'm looking at the budget and uh, we need to really – we're worried about – no. You're not worried about anything except for getting better this offseason, and that's essentially what he said, so I don't know what the problem is. Well, here we're, on, we're at December 15th. The, the one shortstop still out there. The Cubs have spent close to $100 million already on, uh, on bringing in new players, all right? So Tyone got $68 million. Bellinger got $17 million. Uh, Boxberger just got paid. They're not done yet. They're going to bring in guys like Mancini. Uh, they're they're going to bring in uh, another catcher somewhere along the line here. So it's not like they're not spending. Are they not spending to the uh, satisfaction of people who want them to spend $300 million on a shortstop? In other words, I go up and back every day when I hear the numbers. The numbers for Swanson is somewhere between 8 and 10 years at 22 to $25 million a year. Okay, Swanson's a really good player. Do you want to make that long of a commitment to a player like that? Do you think he's an impact player? These are questions that uh, when Hoyer sits down uh, with his front office and say, you know, is this intelligent spending at this point in time where we're at? You're going to have to overspend. 
That is a fact of life in today's Major League Baseball. The, but at you, what point? At to, what point, David? Do you do you th- That's a great conversation. It's it's a terrific debate. But the fact of the matter is, the Cubs aren't getting outbid here because they don't have the resources. I think that they're getting outbid here because they're making these d- decisions in the in the process of negotiating. They didn't even, according to Gordon Wittenmeyer, make Carlos Correa an official offer. How does that happen? If that is accurate, I won't tell you. How either. does that? I, I wonder. I, I think that's crazy, Bruce, because no, you have not. to look at what's going on in Major League Baseball. There's at least a, a double-digit examples of double-digit commitments. On Team Levine, I don't pay injured guys, okay? He, he's averaged 112 games a year in his career. He's a terrific player. He's a terrific impact player when he's out in the field and in postseason. But if you're going to miss 50 games a season – I'm not paying you for 10 years, okay? I'm not doing it. Team Levine is going to be safely in fourth place for the rest of the decade. That's fine. As long as I'm bringing in enough revenue and I can continue to try to do the best I can for the fans of the team, I'm going to try to do – I'm going to underline the intelligent spending. Is this the – I mean, there's a big difference between Correa and uh, and Swanson. Just because they're all shortstops – Okay, I, I I personally don't want to pay a number six hitter in the lineup twenty five million dollars a year for the next ten years. As Andrew Friedman of the Los Angeles Dodgers told uh, Gordon Wittenmeyer in his story in NBCSportsChicago.com, if you go into every free agent negotiation with a rational approach, you're going to finish third every time. Every time. Sometimes, Bruce, there's a time where irrational and a risk-taking is necessary. You can't be so risk-averse. Yeah. I just think this is the time for the Cubs. Well, guess what? Andrew Friedman's been there about six or seven years now, and he's made one long-term commitment in his entire time there, and that was to Mookie Betts. And the rest has been all short-term commitments and running it pretty much like the great executive he is who watches uh, dollars and, are not, and now is being told to watch dollars again even though uh, they take in $300 million a year on their TV deal alone. Team Levine coming out firing this morning, Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. As right. Jack Webb I... would say, and look up who Jack Webb is for <laughs> people of a Google. certain age. Just, just the facts. Just the facts. <laughs> just the facts, man. Just the facts. All right, Bruce, we're going to shift gears. We're going to be cordial and courteous and all those things with our next guest. Marco Patti will join Inside the clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 